WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. It's a new year for the Berrien County Board of Commissioners and the body gathered today for its annual organizational meeting. Remaining chair is Mac Elliott, while Commissioner Mamie Yarborough floated a motion to name a vice chair. I would like to make a motion to place Commissioner Terry Freeling in the running for vice chair of Marion County Commission. Is there support? I'll support that. Moved by Yarborough, supported by Kern. Are there any other nominations? There weren't any, and Freeling was voted vice chair of the body. Also today, commissioners kept their committee assignments the same as last year with Commissioner Jim Curran, Chair of Administration, Commissioner Mamie Yarborough, Chair of Finance, and Commissioner Bob Harrison, Chair of Personnel. The body also decided it will hold four night meetings in 2024, although their dates haven't yet been established. The commission holds four or five meetings at night at different locations around the county each year, so people who can't normally attend have a chance to do so. The specifics for 2024 will be decided in the next few weeks and posted on the county's website. The families of two people who drowned in Lake Michigan off of South Haven in 2022 are now suing the city. 22-year-old Corey Ernster of Novi and 19-year-old Emily McDonald of Columbus, Michigan, were killed while swimming on uh, August 8th of that year. Yellow flags were flying at the beach at the time, indicating moderate dangers. The flags were later changed to red. Bystanders spotted the pair unresponsive in the water and pulled them out, but it was too late. The lawsuit filed in Van Buren County but transferred to a federal court alleges the city didn't do enough to keep swimmers out of the water, saying the yellow flags were not adequate. It also says the city does not have a proper system in place to monitor conditions and change its flags. The lawsuit seeks damages of more than $25,000 but does not mention a specific amount. Speaking of South Haven, coming back to South Haven this summer will be the Queen's Cup boat race. The South Haven City Council approved the Queen's Cup special event application this week. City Manager Kate Hosier said it's a popular event. Remember, if you've been around this town that long, we've had the Queen's Cup here in 12, 15, and 17, and maybe, was it 19? Nope, not 19, but we've had them three prior years. The Queen's Cup runs from Milwaukee to different locations in Michigan each year, featuring more than 100 boats. South Haven Assistant City Manager and Harbormaster Griffin Graham told the City Council the event this year will have exclusive use of the South Haven Municipal Marina when the sailors ride in. This allows city staff to reserve the entire marina, make that available for the boats coming in to stay the night or stay for the weekend during the race. Graham said the South Haven Yacht Club will compensate the city for the marina's use. The Queen's Cup will leave Milwaukee June 28th and finish in South Haven on June 29th. St. Joseph Today director Amy Zapel is serving her last day tomorrow. She's moving on to be a senior foundation specialist at Corwell Health Foundation, Southwest Michigan. Zapel was hired to lead St. Joe Today in 2017. In an announcement that she's leaving, Zapel told local business owners and the community her time with St. Joe Today has been a, quote, incredible journey. Meanwhile, the St. Joe Today board has begun a search for Zabel's replacement. They've not yet identified that person, but will make an announcement when they do. Prior to leading St. Joseph today, Zapel was the director of the Heritage Museum and Cultural Center in St. Joseph. There will be plenty happening at Lake Michigan College this month as part of Martin Luther King Jr. Week. LMC Dean of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Cam Hearth tells us everything kicks off with a Martin Luther King Jr. celebration and community breakfast on January 15th. They'll give out the Spirit of MLK Awards, which honor those in the community who embody King's spirit of brotherhood and love through their direct action throughout the community. Hearth says the keynote speakers at the breakfast will be Sharon and Mac Brown. 
Mack and Sharon Brown are the proprietors of the African-American History and Literature Museum here in Benton Harbor. And I'm delighted that we have that opportunity to have them as one of our speakers in the sense that they are also the founders, if you will, of the Unified MLK Junior Civic Monument Project. They also won a Spirit of MLK Award last year. Following the breakfast, there'll be a whole week of community events with everything from MLK-inspired crafts to panel discussions to music. Hearth says they'll welcome a special guest speaker, Lila Ali, the daughter of Muhammad Ali, on Thursday, January 18th. Muhammad Ali resided in our community for a long period of time and has created strong fellowships and friendships with individuals. I think the community will be excited to come out and to hear her message and how that ties into the celebration of that week. That engagement will be ticketed, but other MLK Week events are free and open to the public. We'll have a link to the entire schedule at our website. Arrest warrants are being sought by police for a Benton Harbor couple after a raid by the Southwest Enforcement Team this week. The team says it searched a home on John Street in Benton Harbor Wednesday, seizing 44 packages of fentanyl, 31 packages of crack, and a gun. Also, three stolen street signs were recovered. Sweat says the primary suspect, a 44-year-old man, was not home, but his wife was found near the drugs. The husband was contacted by phone, but he refused to come back to the scene. Police are now seeking warrants for both the man and the woman on charges that include larceny of street signs, possession with intent to deliver crack cocaine and meth, and possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony. Children's Protective Services was also contacted due to a child living in the home. Automakers posted solid sales gains in 2023. GM saw its sales up 14%. Toyota sales rose nearly 7%, and Ford was up 7%. Auto trade analyst Michelle Krebs says after several years of tight inventories, car dealers finally had enough vehicles to meet demand. This year was more normal. Um, we saw uh, production get back up to speed, uh, inventory uh, built, and some of that didn't get sopped up. So automakers and dealers started uh, doing more discounting, more incentives. Stellantis, which controls Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and others, saw its sales down 1%. Krebs predicts that sales will remain steady into the new year. That's with more discounts available as the year goes on. And the Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes, and Energy is planning a webinar series on invasive species and what Michiganders can do to help protect their own environment. The Not MI Species series will start January 23rd with Dirt Never Hurt, But Invasive Species Do at 9 a.m. It'll go into how invasives could be spread by ORVs. Although in the off-roading world, a muddy 4x4 is never a badge of shame, County Cooperative Invasive Species Management Area staff will seek to teach motorized trail users about the importance of cleaning their vehicles. The next engagement will be February 7th with What's the Damage? Ecology and Effects of Invasive European Frog Bit in the St. Mary's River. That will feature a professor from Lake Superior State University's Center for Freshwater Research and Education who will talk about the spread of the invasive frog bit and how the plant can be stopped. Everyone's welcome to sign up for the free sessions. We'll have a link to the registration pages at our website. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues. During a White House briefing today, White House National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby said the U.S. knows that North Korea has provided Russia with ballistic missile launchers and several ballistic missiles and that Russia has used at least one of them. ABC's Karen Travers has more. The White House said Thursday U.S. intelligence officials have determined Russia has obtained ballistic missiles from North Korea and used them recently against Ukraine. National Security Spokesman John Kirby. On the 30th of December 2023, Russian forces launched at least one 
of these North Korean ballistic missiles into Ukraine. Kirby said that missile landed in an open field in the Zaporizhia region. He said on January 2nd, Russia launched multiple North Korean ballistic missiles into Ukraine as part of an overnight aerial attack. This is a significant and concerning escalation in the DPRK's support for Russia. Karen Travers, ABC News, the White House. As the Biden administration grapples with an increasingly tense and unstable situation in the Middle East, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is headed to the region this weekend for the fourth time in three months on a tour expected to focus largely on easing resurgent fears that the Israel-Hamas war could erupt into a broader conflict. The Biden administration has breathed a sigh of relief about the potential for a broader Mideast war in the immediate aftermath of Israel's military response to the October 7th Hamas attack in Israel. Two and a half months later, though, chances of a regional war have increased. The State Department says Blinken will visit Turkey, Greece, Jordan, Qatar, and the United Arab Emirates, as well as Saudi Arabia, Israel, and the West Bank in Jerusalem. Meanwhile, Britain is warning Houthis that they must stop targeting commercial ships in the Red Sea or face the consequences. More from ABC's Tom Rivers. Britain attempting to sound tough, flexing its limited naval assets in the region. Foreign Secretary David Cameron. These attacks are unacceptable, they're illegal, and they've got to stop. And if they don't stop, action will be taken. The Houthis in Yemen have been attacking commercial vessels said to have Israeli links. They contend they're acting in solidarity with the Palestinians in Gaza. Tom Rivers, ABC News at the Foreign Desk. A shooting at an Iowa high school that injured multiple people had students ducking into classrooms, barricading themselves in offices and running for exits. A law enforcement official says the suspect in the shooting today in Perry, Iowa, has died. The spokesperson said three gunshot victims were taken by ambulance to a hospital in the state capital of Des Moines, about 40 miles southeast of Perry. In Perry, a Dallas County Sheriff, Adam Infante, says an active shooter was reported at Perry High School before the school started on Thursday, and officers responded about seven minutes later. The shooting occurred in the backdrop of the Iowa caucuses, not far from where Republican candidates were campaigning. As the Republican presidential primary competition is reaching its peak ahead of the Iowa caucus, on the Democratic side, President Joe Biden is ramping up his campaigning as well. The president's leading into his campaign theme of protecting American democracy with a speech scheduled for tomorrow. Liz Landers has more. With the three-year anniversary of the January 6th attack on the Capitol just a few days away, President Joe Biden will hold his first campaign event of 2024, delivering a speech about democracy on Friday. His presidential campaign will also air a 60-second ad on the topic across the country. Here's part of it. There's something dangerous happening in America. There's an extremist movement does not share the basic beliefs in our democracy. The campaign spent a half million dollars on TV and online ad buys in battleground states like Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, and Nevada. Liz Landers, ABC News, Washington. ISIS has claimed responsibility for two suicide bombings targeting a commemoration for an Iranian general slain in a 2020 U.S. drone strike. The bombings Wednesday marked the worst militant attack to strike Iran in decades as the wider Middle East remains on edge. Experts who follow the group have confirmed the statement today, which was circulated among uh, jihadists online, came from extremists who likely hope to take advantage of the chaos gripping the region amid Israel's war on Hamas and the Gaza Strip. Wednesday's attack in Kerman killed at least 84 people and wounded another 284. With a seemingly endless stream of migrants uh, filling buses and arriving in New York City from Texas, New York's mayor has announced the city's going to be going after the bus companies bringing the migrants. ABC's Dave Packer has more. New York Mayor Eric Adams says caring for the tens of thousands of migrants sent by Texas has already cost the city more than $700 million. 
and 17 bus companies will be sued to pay the bill. These companies have violated state law by not paying the cost of caring for these migrants. That social services law requires anyone bringing a person into the state with the sole purpose of making him a public charge to support that person at his own expense. New York City seeking more than $700 million it's already spent caring for the migrants. Dave Packer, ABC News, New York. The unsealing of dozens of documents describing Jeffrey Epstein's sexual abuse of teenage girls provide a reminder of how he leveraged connections to the rich, powerful, and famous to cover up his crimes. The more than 40 documents released late Wednesday were sprinkled with names familiar to anyone who has followed the scandal closely. Among those in Epstein's orbit before he was exposed as a sexual predator were former presidents Donald Trump and Bill Clinton, singer Michael Jackson, and magician David Copperfield, according to accounts of his victims and other witnesses quoted in the documents. None of them were accused of wrongdoing. And as respiratory infections rise, Florida's Surgeon General is calling for a halt in the use of the country's most used COVID vaccines. Florida Surgeon General Dr. Joseph Latipo has previously advised that all residents under 65 skip the COVID vaccine. Now in a state bulletin, the Governor Ron DeSantis appointee is claiming that the mRNA vaccines like those from Pfizer and Moderna could contaminate human DNA and cause cancer. The FDA responding, saying that with over a billion doses of the mRNA vaccines administered, there's simply no evidence to back up Latipo's claim.